Everyone likes to talk about Clemson's defense, but Clemson has actually seen some improvements this year on the offensive side of the ball. What are they going to bring to the field on Saturday, and how can the Gamecocks slow them down? We're going to discuss all of that right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We are your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I am your host, Andrew Lyon, and I thank you all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And yes, it is Rivalry Week. We started talking about the Palmetto Bowl on the Monday show, but now it's really time to dive into the weeds of this whole matchup. What is Clemson going to bring on both sides of the ball? What should the Gamecocks game plan be in order to try and slow down the Tigers? We're going to start all of that right here on today's show of Locked On Gamecocks. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right on into it with Clemson's offense and how the Gamecocks defense can slow it down. Now, in order to get a better idea of how Clemson's offense looks, I went back and watched their game against the Florida State Seminoles, who run a base nickel defense just like the Gamecocks. Now, in terms of the play calling, Clemson mainly runs a power spread type offense because overall, this is an offense where the coaching staff does a pretty good job of masking Clemson's deficiencies, which from what I can tell is being able to consistently push the ball downfield in the passing game and relying subsequently on their strengths, which for Clemson is running the football, hence the power portion of that power spread offense. So let's talk about Clemson's running game. Simply put, Clemson does not run too many zone concepts. They are a simple gap scheme running type of team. Pretty much, they're going to put a hat on a hat, mano a mano, and they're just going to challenge your defensive lineman up front to try and make plays. They love to utilize multiple tight ends and running backs in this run game. They have both 12 personnel and 20 personnel packages that they will utilize. So maybe one running back and two tight ends on the field, or at times they'll even use split back sets with maybe Will Shipley and Paul Maffa both on either side of DJ Uyangole in the backfield. Now, in terms of some of their tendencies in the run game, if a tight end is lined up in a staggered offset look, next to the offensive tackle, or is directly behind the offensive tackle, a run is more than likely coming down the pipe. But Clemson will try to sort of see how much you key in on this tendency by using some play-action passes out of these same sets. So if you're South Carolina, you got to stay disciplined in that aspect. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. DJ Uyangole. He is going to be involved in the running game for the Clemson Tigers. The Tigers like to run QB draw. They like to run some power designed run plays. And the offensive line in particular, with their alignment, 
will line up in a wider stance in terms of having more distance between each one of them on the line of scrimmage. And I bring that up because that's going to be a Kickstarter for another interesting note I took on this offense that I'll discuss in depth in just a little bit. Clemson also will run multiple plays off of a power sweep look. They like to do this thing where basically Will Shipley lines up next to DJ Uyangale. He goes straight towards the sideline. DJ is going to take the ball and at least act like he's going to toss it to him. Sometimes he will actually toss it to him and it will essentially be a buck sweep or a power sweep out of the shotgun. Sometimes DJ will fake the toss sweep and he will actually do a power run to the opposite side of the formation with some pulling blockers going around to that side to try and give him some extra leeway. Or they will do a play action play to try to get the linebackers out of the box and sucker in third level defenders to try to open up space, especially over the middle of the field. They should have gotten Florida State on one of those kind of plays, but they did not. But needless to say, they do multiple things with that kind of play concept. If it is third down and short on offense for Clemson, nine times out of ten, they're going to run the football, whether it's simply handing it off to Will Shipley or DJ Uyunglele keeping it. And they will also at times show you some option plays, which mainly involve inverted veer and some regular read option. So what does South Carolina need to do In order to combat this run game, in my opinion. Well, the main thing is this. Eye discipline will be key in this game. South Carolina's defenders in the box are going to have to be disciplined with what all they are watching in front of them. Especially the linebacker core and the defensive ends. Clemson will use misdirection through a few concepts like some jet motion. That power sweep look that I just talked about. But otherwise, Clemson is not going to try and really, I guess, trick or mislead the defense a lot of the time. They're pretty much just going to line up and try to run their plays and execute them well enough to where you just cannot stop it either way. So, misdirection should not be something the Gamecocks have to worry about to a certain extent in this game. If I'm South Carolina in terms of coverage on defense, I'm going to run man coverage on the outside. Because in my eyes, in terms of Clemson's wide receivers, while I'm not going to say that there's no good wide receivers, Clemson has some talent still at that spot. But there's not a single guy out there for Clemson that I see that is elite. That is someone that maybe you need to have someone travel with him all around the field, like Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee. And so I think that South Carolina should challenge them in that aspect. And basically, based on the way Clemson likes to run their run-and-shoot principles in their passing game, Dare Clemson to let DJ throw the football. Because if you do that, DJ is prone to eventually make some pretty bad throws, some inaccurate throws that the defense can try and capitalize on. So if I'm South Carolina, this is how I'm going to try to combat this run game for the Tigers. They build their entire offense off the run game. And while I'm not going to say that you can completely stop it, I think that South Carolina can at least stonewall them on enough plays to where they can try and force them out of their element. That's going to be the biggest key in this game for the Gamecocks. Now, some other miscellaneous notes on the Tigers. An interesting note with the offensive line. I have not seen very many offensive lines that the Gamecocks have played this season have such tight splits in terms of the distance between one another like Clemson does. Clemson's offensive linemen are lined up so close to each other in terms of the horizontal aspect that they almost have the offensive tackles inside foot 
practically overlapping the outside foot of the offensive guards. To keep it in simple terms, you do not see that very often in the game of football. And they even have their guys at times, all of the linemen except for the center, line up a few feet back from the line of scrimmage, again, on certain plays, which can almost be a way to try to, you know, maybe give them a head of steam on some running plays on third down and short, or maybe try to put them a little bit farther back on some third and long passing situations to where they can get back in their pass set a little bit quicker because they have a little less distance they're going to have to cover. That tells me that Clemson does not trust DJ to be able to handle pressure very well on the interior. It also, in my opinion, does sort of speak to how much trust that they do have in their offensive tackles in Jordan McFadden and Blake Miller, I believe, on the right side. Clemson is going to rarely run long progressing passing plays, which, again, can go to explain why they have these splits set up like this. And their offensive line, maybe they could have some issues when they face speed in sort of that interior portion of the field, which would explain, again, why they want those tight splits. Because the guards and center work in conjunction with one another in terms of pass blocking and run blocking. So if there's not really a hole there and the guys can just hold firm with where they are, then you're not going to see a whole lot of success on the interior. So with all that being said, how can South Carolina counter this? I think that... Clay White could bring some delayed blitzes off of some twists from the interior defensive lineman. Basically have them vacate their original gap, go to maybe a more of an inside gap, or maybe even go outside, and send one of the linebackers shooting up through the middle and see if Clemson can pick it up. Get them to split apart. Get that offensive guard away from the center so that way you have more one-on-one pass rushing opportunities. Or you could bring some extra blitzers off the edge and run some stunts there where the defensive end crashes inside maybe, or they keep their original gap, but maybe you bring up a corner or a safety and they blitz on the inside of that offensive tackle. So then you got a decision you got to make. The offensive guard has got to stay alert. That is how you combat the way that they line up with their alignments on the offensive line. So something really interesting that I picked up on when watching the Florida State game back and could end up playing a role in how the Gamecocks decide to attack the Tigers in terms of their pressure packages in this game. So the overall take-home point, the Tigers rely on a death-by-a-thousand-paper-cuts type of philosophy with the offensive side of the ball. They want to be methodical, long-drawn-out drives, try to wear you down. They are not very explosive overall, unless you just have a really bad breakdown on the back end. So the Gamecocks have got to force Clemson's offense to be in some third and long and second and long situations. If you can get them behind the sticks, get them off schedule, then you are going to give yourself a really good chance to get off the field and let your offense be able to go out there and do what they want against the Clemson Tigers defense. Now, we've talked about the play calling and the scheme, but what does Clemson's offensive personnel look like? What should you pay attention to with their offensive players on Saturday afternoon? I'm going to dive into all of that in just a few moments. But obviously, look, this has been a really tough year in terms of inflation, just how hard it has hit all of our wallets. You might be driving less, dining out less, or maybe buying less from the grocery store in order to offset those losses. But we can all agree there's nothing fun about having less money in your pocket. And for this reason, I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for when you're on the go and buying something because you get cash back on every purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app. 
Use our promo code LOCKED and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. And if you still question just how good they are, well, we'll let the 4.8 star rating on the App Store speak for itself. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once again, that's $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so we've talked about Clemson's offensive scheme, some of the play-calling tendencies that they utilize with their group. Now, what's the personnel look like that is paired up with Clemson's scheme? Well, overall, when looking at Clemson's offensive players, their starting group, Their offense is short on playmakers. And so because of this, Clemson's coaching staff, as I alluded to earlier, they have to scheme around that weakness in this offense. So we're going to talk about a few players real quickly. Let's start with the quarterback, DJ Uyangole. Obviously, a lot has been made about DJ and his play from the time that he was the guy starting at the beginning of the 2021 season. Obviously, last season was a pretty bad year for him. I think that he was one of only a few quarterbacks in the country that had more interceptions than touchdown passes, and he was pretty much the starter throughout the entirety of the season for the Clemson Tigers. And there was a lot of conversation in the offseason about how, you know, maybe he should be you know, not starting for the Tigers. Maybe he should be the backup. Maybe Cade Klubnik should be the guy. And DJ, in a sense, has proven some of the doubters wrong, but at the same time, he hasn't completely gotten rid of some of those bad traits that he possesses in his game. He's a hard quarterback to bring down. He is a really big guy. I mean, he's like 6'4", 6'5", probably around 225 or 220 pounds. So he has slimmed down some from this past season, And I will admit, it does seem like that has made a little bit of a difference in terms of his ability to scramble and accelerate at a faster pace and be able to maybe slip some more tackles. So because of this, Gamecock defenders are going to have to wrap up in the pocket if they get home. And I will say this, if they get the opportunity, more than likely they could bring him down because DJ Uyango lays pocket awareness, at least based on watching the Florida State game, it is not very good. It takes him a little bit longer to sort of realize when there is a defensive end or a defensive player that is essentially about to meet up with his back half. I mean, he does not hear footsteps very well, it seems like, at times. And granted, the game was on the road. So, you know, that might be one thing that you should take into account regarding that. But but basically, DJ seems to take a while to process sort of everything that is going on on the football field. And this happens at times because maybe he sees some lapses in terms of actually having an open receiver somewhere on the field, but he's not going through all of his reads quickly enough. There's also some inaccuracy issues that he has. He can have a tendency to put a little too much gusto on the football at times in the short and intermediate passing game, which leads to him throwing passes that are really high, maybe throwing some passes that are behind his receiver. And basically, because of his throw, it ends up being an incomplete pass 
or gives the defense a potential opportunity to maybe pick off the pass itself. So DJ, to put it bluntly, he is an improved quarterback from 2021. There's no question about that, but DJ is by no means still a polished product. He is still a quarterback that has got some real issues that he has to try to sort through throughout the course of the game. So if South Carolina can get some pressure and can rattle him a little bit, then in my opinion, that gives South Carolina's defense a real big advantage in terms of defending the passing game for the Clemson Tigers. Clemson's best player on this team, honestly, at least the offensive side of the ball, is by far Will Shipley at running back. This guy is the heart and soul of Clemson's offense. He is tough. He is fast. He is physical. He is hard to bring down. He can be a weapon in the return game. He can be a weapon in the passing game. Will Shipley is quite literally a do-it-all running back. There's not really anything that he cannot do. So South Carolina, in terms of, you know, is there one guy on this offense that we really got to try to stop or at least slow down to a great degree to give ourselves a better chance to win this football game? The answer to that question would be Will Shipley, number one at running back. Do not let him dictate how this game plays out. So I talked about eye discipline earlier on the show. Brad Johnson, Sherrod Green. You guys are going to have to be disciplined, and you're going to have to know at least somewhere in the back of your mind on every play where number one is on the football field. Clemson will try to find some different ways to get him the football. They will send him out on swing passes at times simply out of the backfield. They will sometimes align him behind an offensive tackle and sort of put him out on a leakage route to the opposite side of the field. There's other times where they will just trust that they can hand off the ball to him on an inside dive basically and he will get the yardage needed in some real tough situations to extend that drive for the Clemson Tigers so Will Shipley by far their best offensive player and he is a game breaker he's pretty much the only game breaker on this Clemson offense a guy that can take over an entire game and basically put him on his back so you gotta watch out for him on Saturday afternoon Wide receiver group. Again, there's talent there, but there's not really a whole lot of guys out there that could do a little bit of everything. The one thing that sticks out to me, they do have one guy that can be a bit of a deep threat if you do not stay in front of him, and that is Antonio Williams. He has got a really good second gear in terms of his speed. Sometimes they will run some run-and-shoot switch concepts where basically he'll take the place of the outside receiver's original route lane, so to speak, and he can end up getting behind some DBs if you do not read that correctly, or if you're a little bit slow to react. So you've got to watch out for that if you're a South Carolina defensive back. Clemson's offensive line, look, they are a very good unit in terms of run blocking. Their offensive tackles are really big guys. They're very physical. And the thing that really sticks out to me, especially about the interior offensive line for Clemson, is their hand placement is really superb. I mean, in terms of being an offensive lineman, the most important thing in terms of trying to generate power and driving a guy back is getting your hands right around the sternum, right in the chest at the top of the numbers of the defensive lineman. And if you can do that, then as long as you give yourself good enough leverage and you're even just adequate in terms of your strength, you're going to win that battle nine times out of ten. Clemson's offensive linemen do a great job of this. And when I talk about those close splits in terms of their alignment that I mentioned earlier, sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to, again, really try and muck things up, so to speak, around the interior of that offensive line in rush defense. So South Carolina, if you're a defensive lineman, 
You're going to need to be on your P's and Q's in terms of getting off the line quick when the ball is snapped, making sure your hand placement's good, because if it's not, Clemson will beat you up in that aspect. So that's what you're going to need to watch out for in terms of Clemson's offensive personnel, maybe some players that could play a big part in this game for the Tigers, or maybe some players that could give the Gamecocks some opportunities to really change this game on defense. And speaking of offense, there are some people out there who still don't believe that Marcus Satterfield called the plays in South Carolina's dominating 63-38 win over the Tennessee Volunteers this past Saturday night. And Coach Pimmer was asked about this on a Sunday teleconference call. What was his response when they inquired about this? I'm going to dive into all of that and really sort of expand on this topic in just a couple of moments. But before I do touch on that subject... I want to remind y'all that BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, World Cups going on right now in Qatar, and you got eSports as well. BetOnline has quite literally got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so as I mentioned before we went into the break, Coach Beamer was asked on his Sunday night teleconference call with the local media about some of the online claims or maybe questions about just who called plays on Saturday night against the Tennessee Volunteers. And this was what he had to say regarding all of the questions surrounding this entire play-calling ordeal. Hey, Shane, it's uh, Phil Kornblut. Um, I don't know if you've checked your social media stuff today, but there are people out there um, uh, claiming that uh, Coach Satterfield was not calling the plays last night. Can you address that? Uh, he called every single play last night, and that's what kills me, Phil, is were these so-called people, were, were they on the headphones last night? I mean, no disrespect, but anybody that watch the game. I mean, the guy's on the sideline. You can, all you got to do is watch the game and see that he's calling the play. So that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, he put the game plan together along with the rest of the offensive staff, and he called every single play last night. I think there was one instance last night where I told him to uh, take a shot and, and throw the ball downfield. And, and other than that, he did everything last night and did a great job of it. So there you go. Coach Beamer with his answer right there regarding whether or not Coach Satterfield did call plays on Saturday night, and he said that he did call plays. He said that he was wearing the headset on Saturday night. Typically, offensive coordinator that is calling plays is going to be wearing the headset so that he can communicate with all of the GAs up in the press box, maybe any assistant coaches there in the press box, and are seeing anything on the field from a bird's-eye view that maybe Coach Satterfield is not able to pick up on in the immediate moment. So... I want to just say, look, I get it that what happened last Saturday night with the Gamecocks offense was just so incredible and unbelievable to watch that 
based on everything that has happened this year, some people would actually sit there and, you know, believe that it had to be because there was a change made. Well, no, it seems like that from what all happened and what's been said, Coach Satterfield put together a good game plan and executed it to perfection through utilizing all the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball against the Volunteers defense on Saturday night. And I will say this, look, there could have been a case this past week where maybe there was an emphasis put on really, I guess, taking in all of the input from all the assistants on the staff. Maybe everybody pretty much pitched in a certain slice of the pie, I guess, in terms of how to attack Tennessee's defense. Coach Satterfield was able to put it all together, and then he was the one that called all the plays on Saturday night. Now, that could have been the case, and I definitely will listen to that. But the fact that so many people at this point are just pretty much just going after Marcus Satterfield because of everything else that happened before the Tennessee game, and you're using that to judge, basically, how there's just no way he can ever call a good game I think it's just a little bit ridiculous at this point. I mean, again, I can understand the frustrations of, you know, maybe sitting there and going, gee whiz, you are able to do all that against the top five team. What on earth happened against Florida? Why couldn't you do any of this stuff against Missouri? You know, I, I get all of that. I do. But you cannot let your emotions from all that, again, dictate your thought on what all happened on Saturday night? What all you saw? What I saw was Coach Satterfield was wearing the headset, and Coach Beamer, as he just said right there, called all of the plays. I don't think that there's any sort of conspiracy theory out there that is remotely true about there maybe being a dead headset and where, you know, he actually wasn't talking to anybody. I've actually seen that posted online, that some people actually believe that that was something that occurred in order to try to play it off to the fans that he was still calling the plays when he actually wasn't. I mean, come on, y'all, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I know it's not all of you. I'm just speaking to a very small group here. But still, at this point, I think you just give the man his credit. I mean, again, he has done some things this season that have been quite head-scratching and, you know, honestly have held back this offense. I think everyone would agree on that. But if you're going to criticize him, you also got to give him his due credit when it's deserved. And he deserves it for what all he did in terms of, play calling against the Tennessee Volunteers this past Saturday night. So anyways, just wanted to get all that addressed, put the soundbite in there from Coach Boomer himself so that hopefully all this can be put to rest, at least for the time being. So what are y'all's thoughts on the Clemson Tigers offense and some of the players that they have on that side of the ball? How do you think the Gamecocks should attack the Clemson Tigers offense on Saturday afternoon? And I guess, you know, if you got any more thoughts on whether or not Coach Satterfield did call the plays against Tennessee on Saturday night, I'm not going to stop you. Put all of your comments down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. You can also send me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. But either way, I thank each and every one of you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch today. Now... For your next listen, I would like you all to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts daily. But with that being said, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I will catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. 